0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome back, guys. You can stand with me. How many of you guys enjoyed that thoroughly? Welcome, yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, they did so good. The media's on point. Man, we just love this place. Anybody else? Yes, when, we, when you come here, we're hoping you're expecting good things because we know as a staff and leaders that we're expecting good things. We would like to welcome you this morning. If you're listening by your device, thank you so much for streaming with us. Thank you guys for being here. We're excited that you're here. Welcome back for part four of We're Expecting. If you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. We're gonna go to our beloved Apostle Paul and get some words from him. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica, encouraging them, and you can hear the expectation In his voice, and today we want to talk about some essentials in expectation. When we're expecting from God, there are some essentials that are in our life that we can absolutely expect. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 reads Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing in all that you do. Our hearts are bowed to you. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and make us like you. Thank you for letting us be here, worship you, and praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everybody says? Amen. 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 Wave at your neighbor as you sit down. Let them know that you're glad to be here and glad that they are here. I know I've told this story before, but I've got to tell it one more time. I'll probably tell it for the next 20 years. This last Christmas, I messed up big time. My wife had searched and searched and bought the perfect gift for Callie, what she wanted for Christmas. Went out and got it from, of course, the place and put it in the back of my car. And my wife asked me about three different times, Matt, have you taken that gift out so Callie won't see it? And I reassured her two or three different times that I was going to do it. Well, you know the story, Callie gets in my car, she sees the gift, ruins ruins the gift. And I ask her, I say, Callie, how long did you look at it? She goes, not very long, Dad. But she can describe it to me. She can tell me what it is, what color it is, you know. I said, baby, you did more than glance at it. And she looks at me, She goes, I know, Dad, but I tried so hard not to. I said, that's okay. That's okay. We understand. But I told my wife, I said, I've got a plan for redemption. What we're going to do is I'm going to put this thing together. And it was a scooter. So I put the scooter together, and I wrapped it in wrapping paper and set it right there in front of my Christmas tree. It was about 15 days before Christmas, so every morning and every day, Callie could walk by and see what she was going to get (laughs) and have a little bit of expectation. And I tell you, whenever we walked down the stairs that Christmas morning, that was one of the first things she went after, even though she knew what it was. And I love that story because I think it shows the expectation in our life. Many times we can see what God is doing. It's kind of behind the Christmas wrapping, you know what I mean? We we see it, and it's forming, and, and expectation builds in our heart. And we cannot wait until it's that morning that we can walk fully in that expectation. And God has wonderful expectations for us. And that's what Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica about. Saying, listen guys, God wants to do some stuff in your life. And through this scripture we can pick out some essentials of how we see God working in our life. And as I read this scripture, the very first thing that jumps out at me as an essential and expectation is people. People are the vehicle that is essential in expectations. You and I are the vehicle to those expectations. I think of John the Baptist sitting on the banks of the river and saying, let me tell you, I've got a story to tell you about one who's gonna come who is much greater than I am. Why? Because he felt that expectation and God was delivering the expectation. We look through the Old and New Testaments and we see prophets and, and, and um, apostles and what are they doing? Delivering the message of God and expectation. Now in the Old Testament we understand sometimes it was good and sometimes it was bad but nonetheless they had expectation because God uses people to deliver that expectation to the world. Amen? 1 Peter 3 and 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with error of the lawless people and lose your own stability. Now we look at Peter and we can learn some very important things from him. He's talking about people who have lost their way, who are in sin and have turned their back on God. But as Christians, we can understand what he's saying. And the reason why is one of the things that I've noticed about people is we tend to be in two different ways as God tends to use us. We tend to be in the land of what I call worthy world. Worthy world is the place that you show up and you don't feel like you're worthy for anything. You don't feel like you're worthy for the power of God to work through you, for the power of God to deliver you, power of God to make a way where there's no other way. of those theme parks that you show up and the carousel skips as it goes around you know what i mean cotton candy tastes gross and there's no soda because we're in worthy world where we're worthy for nothing right and sometimes we can get there as christians because we look at our past faults and failures and god doesn't want us to be there but on the other opposite side he doesn't want us to be in that other place either where it's called entitlement And some of you guys who have worked your entire life for stuff, I just saw you cringe whenever I said the word entitlement. Because you know nothing is given. We have to earn it. Now we know that the glorious grace of Jesus Christ is bestowed on our life in a way that we can't imagine and we have to ask. But what God tells us to do with our hands and work, we have to work for that. Amen? But we can live in that land of entitlement. Of God, I'm here. Why don't you just show up? Well, sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes I need to make sure that my spirit is ready for his spirit. I have a connection with him. God, I matter of fact, the scripture says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Amen? Those who hunger and thirst. That means there needs to be some preparation in my life. So we can't be way out here on this end of entitlement. God, you give me everything. But we can't live in the land of worthy world either. We have to have a balance to our life. And that's what 1 Peter 3 and 17 is saying. He goes, listen guys, you know that take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people. Every one of of us know somebody who struggles in sin who has not given their heart to christ and all of us can name that one thing that has gripped their heart and their life that one thing that takes them overboard it might be chemicals or or lust or greed or hobbies or entertainment but it's that one thing that seems like their life is connected to that completely throws them out of balance and peter here is warning us saying listen he's going to he used that magic word whenever you do that you lose stability Because people, as God bursts expectation in people's heart, it's the people who are stable who get to do the most with it. Amen? It's that stable foundation where God can build on and build on and build on and continue to reveal those expectations and work through us to do glorious things. But we have to be stable. And the way that we become more stable is we become balanced. As we are the vehicle, we know that vehicles drive on roads that are balanced the best, amen? Those good roads are great. Bad roads, not so good. (laughs) It's hard to keep your vehicle straight. But God says, listen, I want to use you as the vehicle. And Peter here is revealing to us that we can get lost in that. Now, how does that apply to us as Christians? Well, as Christians, we can tend to lend ourselves towards one thing or the next. We can be saved, but we get so caught up in politics that we forget about preaching the name of Jesus Christ. We look at something, and we get, throw ourselves into it, and we become completely unbalanced. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't fight for our country, we shouldn't do these things and go with our convictions. Absolutely. But we should not forget to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ because that expectation that he's put in us, after all, he's put in it to reach more people. My daughter and I went over to my mother's house yesterday. She had her birthday. And, of course, my dad just had surgery, and he's recouping, and he's doing well. I thank you for all your prayers. But we went in there, and all it was was a simple piece of cheesecake with a candle in it. It was a card from her little granddaughter, and it was the happy birthday song and a small gift, small token of appreciation. And she was so happy about that. And it proved to me something that you already know. Just kind of re-solidified it for me. That it's not so much what you share, it's who you share it with. Maybe, maybe it's not the house that I live in as much as it is who I'm married to and I share it with. Well, you and I, my job is to become that who that God wants to share it with. That God, my heart would be full of expectation when I move into your presence. That my heart would be open to what you want to speak to me, God. I want to be the who because I know you're responsible for the what. But I want to work, I want you to your power to work through me, amen. Not so much the who, uh, or not so much the what as the who. But we're the vehicle that God has designed for that. And in Acts 3 and 19 through 20, it says, Repent therefore and turn back and your sins may be blotted out. What is the writer telling us there? The writer telling us that sometimes we get, first of all, it's telling us about salvation, that you are unbalanced. And the only way you bring that balance into your life is to repent and ask Christ into your heart, amen? But it's also showing us that we need to be quick to repent as Christians, that if we're not, we see our fault. We see following after that thing that is not godly based, or whatever has our attention. That we creep to one side, or we creep to the other, and we become unbalanced. And God wants to use a vehicle that is balanced. He wants to bring that stability. People are looking towards the church and looking towards to do mighty things, amen? We're proclaiming that we serve a God who does mighty things and he does it through people. So people are looking so the more stable we can become and we repent quickly and say, I wanna get it back, God. I wanna get back on track and I wanna make sure I'm stable and balanced where you need me to be because we know that people are are a primary vehicle that God uses for expectation. How do I get that from that scripture? Well, what is Paul writing to? He's not writing to animals, amen? (laughs) He's not writing to material possessions. He's writing to people and saying, may God. Well, he's saying, I've got an expectation that God will do something in your life if we will just allow him to do it. But we have to make sure that he is what we're looking for. And that's what Paul goes on. The next essential that I see in here is God as our source, we have to look to God as our source. Scripture says this, the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father. What is Paul doing? He's bringing us back to that point of saying, make sure that your source is correct. You've got to love the Apostle Paul because he's constantly doing this, and we have to be plugged into the right source. I love to drink hot tea, and my mother-in-law got me a tea kettle for Christmas, and I put it up on the stove, and, of course, the source, the heat source heats it up and boils the water. As soon as I take it off that heat source, it's not just a little while until that water no longer boils and it gets colder and colder and colder. This morning, if you're thinking, man, I I just don't know, man, if I have that same expectation that I had in my past. Maybe I don't have that same expectation that I did even at the beginning of the year. Can I ask you, are you looking at the right source Because if we're connected into the source, then we know that we can stay on fire. Remember, the scripture says that our God is an all-consuming fire. He doesn't need any help to be the source, amen. He's looking towards us and saying, I'm the source. I want to get plugged in, God. Make sure that I don't go out, rekindle that fire within me. God, I want to look to you as my source. Ephesians uh, 2 and 20, here we see the apostle Paul speaking again. Very familiar scripture, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should not walk in them. See, God is our source. He's already created things for us. He has it all worked out if we will trust him. But what are we looking to? Sometimes in our life, we can get so blinded by the different things in the world. We can ask questions like, God, are you speaking to me? How are you going to use me? Or are you going to use me? God, are you teaching me anything? And sometimes, just because of things that involve us and blind us, Maybe some letdowns in relationships. Maybe it's kind of rocky in marriage. Maybe our job is not working out. We look at our finances and saying, God, this is just not adding up. And we begin to look at those things. Well, maybe if I can do more. Maybe if I could be more. And that's the wrong That's the wrong source to look at. God, you are my source. I've gotta look towards you to keep that fire kindled in my heart, that I would be on fire for you. God, fan the flame within my heart so I can be where you want me to be. I can look at you as my source. And then what we find is as we look at Christ as our source, we begin to ask those questions in a different light. Instead of saying, God, are you teaching me? We're asking questions like, God, what are you teaching me? Because I know you're my source. God, God, how are you using me? How are you going to use me? What are you going to teach me through this? And then God, we're asking, what are you speaking to me? Because I know that you're my source. I know that inside you, God, and being with you, you are my strong tower, my refuge that I will run to. So God, what are you doing in my life? We don't have to back up and say, God, I don't trust you, I don't see it. Instead, God, I might not see it, but I ask an expectation because you are my source. And that's what Paul was saying to these guys. God is our source of expect- expectation. There is no substitute, absolutely no substitute. We are fallen, and we know that things happen, and, but it doesn't always necessarily mean that when things aren't lining up that it's completely our fault. What we have to do is we have to push through that and remind ourselves that Christ Jesus is our source. Amen? He's what we look to. He's the one that will keep the fire burning, but we have to look towards him. Paul continues to write, and he continues to write, and he says, listen, who loves us? Ah, oh, I love talking about the love of Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Because sometimes you just kind of hardly explain how much he loves us. You can't put it into words. You can't put your finger on it, but you read it through scripture, and you know that he does. And that's what Paul was reminding the church at Thessalonica. Listen, it's who loves us. Like we talked about this morning, he is our living hope, amen? He loves us. He didn't just love us. He's not going to love us, but he loves us. And it's true love. It's pure love. We would have a testimony service on occasion at a church that I grew up in. And, of course, the preacher, you guys know how this works. You get up there, anybody got a testimony you want to share how much God loves them? And when it went good, it was good, and when it went bad, it went bad, right? But it, this time I remember it was good. <laughs> and I remember Brother Thompson standing up, and he would grab that pulpit, and he'd begin to quote Scripture, and he'd begin to tell how much God loved him. He'd begin to tell about how 1 John 4 and 8, he'd quote this Scripture every time. He would say, he who does not, uh, does not love does not know God, for God is love. Oh, I hate that scripture in my heart, remembering that, God, what you're taking me through, you're taking me through in love. Why? Because love is a foundational principle, okay? It's the foundation. It is the very essence of what we're trying to do. The whole world was birthed on that, how much God loved us. And as Brother Thompson would, would get up and begin to testify and preach that, man, it just filled my heart knowing that Christ loves me but we have to be careful because sometimes we can get a little tricky. See, if we take that scripture at the very end, it says, for God is love. Well, the world can tell us that love is God. If you just change those two words around, most of it stays the same, but then all of a sudden we're looking for love to fulfill our needs. We're looking for love to be our source. We're looking for love to speak to us, and we know that love can't do all that. Our only source is Jesus Christ. His love is the foundation, is the essential for expecting. That what he's going to bring me through and what he's going to do, he is laying a foundation in my life and it is through love to bring me to that next position that he has for me. Amen. And as we continue this, I realize that sometimes I get blinded, and just like that one little word slop, sometimes things can't be lining up in my life like I think they should, or I don't quite understand, and I get a little confused. Well, what do I have to do? I have to bring my focus back in and say, No, God, I know that what you're taking me through is love, that you are God and that you are my source. Love is not what I'm looking for. These other material things are not what I'm looking for, but God is love. John 15, 3, we're very familiar. Greater love has no man that he would lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, 8 through 9, we come back and we see Paul writing to his friends in Rome, saying, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was an enemy of God, while I wasn't fit to be in the kingdom of God, he looked down with such great love and said, Matt, not only do I want you in heaven, not only do I want a relationship with you, but I got a purpose for your life. And I know that you guys feel the same way. Why? Because in expectation, that foundation is love. Why do we have to have love as that foundation? Because God is gonna take us through some things that we're not gonna understand. He's gonna take us through some things that's gonna challenge us and bend us. That's gonna bend us near to the breaking point. And we're gonna ask God, do you really love me? God, I thought this was gonna be over. I thought that you were gonna provide. And we have all these expectations in our mind. But we have to go back and say, no, God, I know that you love me. So what you're bringing me through, what you're bringing me to, is for my betterment. You're positioning me and getting me in a spot, God, that you're going to use me and do great and mighty things. Amen. You're going to save my marriage. You're going to save that relationship. You're going to promote me in my job. My kids that are acting crazy, God, you've got a plan for them too. <laughs> and we've all been there before. But we have to look at that and say, God, no, I know that love is the foundational. It's an essence. It's, it's an essential for expectation. Paul continues to write in this same scripture, and he says, comfort and love. Well, what are comfort and love? Well, that's the supply for power. As we walk through this this season of expectation, our power comes from comfort and hope. Now, it doesn't mean that he's gonna make us comfortable. It means that we can have comfort that he's gonna speak to us and show us which way to go and guide and direct us. It is our power. It is hope that he's gonna do these things. Well, how does he do that? Well, we know that he has sent the Holy Spirit to be our great comforter. John 16 and 8 says that the Holy Spirit will convict us. Oh, we can take so much comfort and hope in that, that as we walk through life and God begins to speak to us about things we need to change, about things that we've done, things that maybe we've done wrong, and we need to ask for repentance on. We need to ask for um, to say, God, I'm sorry, I want to get my heart right with you. We can take that as hope and comfort that he is still working on us, amen, that he convicts the world of sin. He convicts us of sin because he desires so much to have that relationship with us. And then we go on, and of course we know that the Spirit brings remembrance. So the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, will bring remembrance to our lives. Maybe things that we've searched out in Scripture, God's dealing with us, of some people at our job, maybe salvation, maybe He's spoken to us about some finances, some changes that we need to make. And we're in that moment of making that change, of witnessing, of doing what God's called us to do, and it's not working out. I don't have to lower my expectations. Instead, I can say, no, God, you're gonna send the great comforter. You're gonna remind me what I studied in scripture. You're gonna remind me what you showed me in my prayer time. I can hang on to that health and healing is coming, amen? Because he is a Holy Spirit that remembers And then he goes on and, of course, we've already talked about testifies, John 15 and 26, that there's that witness inside of us. It's that moment of do or die when we're at, do I make an early exit? Do I walk through the door? Do I stay put? And that testimony rises up inside of us that reminds us that God provided in the past and he's going to provide again, that he had my back and he's going to have my back today, that it doesn't come from within me. It comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. That's what it is. It testifies in me. It testifies in me that I am doing what I need to do. And we can all relate to that. We all know that God has that. It's the benefit of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 and 5. And hope, there it is again, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? Through the Holy Spirit, through the comforter. That's what what love has been poured into our hearts by. And shame doesn't have to hold us back. I know for me, one of, my, one of my great struggles for me is whenever I look back and I realize when I got saved and when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And it's not so much the sin before I got saved because my eyes were blinded. But some of that stuff after salvation, I'm thinking, God, I, was, I knew better. Help me with that. And sometimes that shame creeps up. But we don't have to let that shame win because we have the comforter in our lives. We have that. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we teach here at Ray of Hope the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that it happens upon salvation, that that you talk to the Holy Spirit because we know that's what draws you nigh. But we also believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that our lives can be opened up to the fruits of the Spirit, that it can be opened up to the gifts of the Spirit, and we can walk in those because God has them. Why? Because that is our power and our supply, amen? It's the comfort and hope within us, and we know that. Now the only question is not, are you going to do it? But God, how are you going to manifest it in our lives? What are you going to do next? Because we have hope and we have comfort knowing that Christ is going to move on our behalf, amen? Paul continues to write here, and he's not done yet. He goes, oh, there is another expectation here. There is another essential, and it is grace. He says, he reminds his readers, he goes, listen, all of this happens, the love of Jesus Christ, all of this happens through what? Through grace, Grace is an essential part of our expectation because God is gonna call us to do some things in which we don't understand. Hopefully, he's calling us to new territory that we're open to that. He's gonna lead us into some places. We sing it on worship. God, lead me into the deep, deep waters. Well, be ready, baby, if you start singing it because God wants to lead us, amen? (laughs) He wants to lead us into some uncharted territory. But that also means that what? I'm gonna mess up. I'm not gonna do some stuff right. I'm gonna have to have that living repentance in my heart. i want to have to know that there's grace there. And see, grace is the fuel. Because I know that I can go back to a God who loves me, who provides for me, and say, God, I did mess up, I didn't do it right, but I know you're taking me somewhere. You're, you're speaking something into my heart. And this expectation that you're building inside of me, this dream that you're building inside of me, I, I don't know how to do it, but God, I know that you can lead me. And on that path, as you lead me to build the bu- business, to, to become stronger in marriage, become a stronger ambassador of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to do it all right, but if I have grace, I know I can come back. But we know through grace comes great responsibility, as the Marvel character or super person says, right, Spider Man, whichever side he's on. <laughs> We know that through grace comes great responsibility because he's gonna open up favor in our life. It's that unmerited favor that we get through grace that we don't understand. Doors are open, relationships are gonna start, things are gonna start growing and we're thinking why? Well, it's through the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. But with that comes responsibility. And I know many of us upon salvation, as grace was flowing through us because we wanna be that conduit, some of us were like that one inch pipe, right? That one inch water line. Can't get a whole lot through there but what's getting through there is making a difference, amen? Then we grew to a two-inch water line and maybe to a three-inch water line, and we don't want to stop growing there. We, you know, those big water lines feed houses. Well, we want to feed neighborhoods, right, and communities. God, help us feed our state. Uh, Hoover Dam has two main tunnels that the, the river feeds the dam through, and, and those dams are 56, or excuse me, those tunnels that the water flows through are 56 feet in diameter. They have three foot thick walls of concrete surrounding it to hold it because they pump 1.5 million gallons of water per minute or per second through there. That's the kind of conduit God wants us to be through his grace and his mercy. He doesn't want us to settle for being the little one, right? He wants us to open up and say, God, it's by your grace and by your mercy that I can supply people with things, that I can encourage, that I can lift up, that I can allow your spirit to work, with, work through me and do things that I didn't think I could accomplish. So, God, make me a supply line for your grace, not only that I could absorb it, but I could share it and encourage and strengthen my brothers and sisters, amen? God, make us, make us a tunnel. Don't make us just a pipeline, God. Make us a tunnel here. At Ray of Hope. Make us a tunnel in our individuals. Amen. We can be that conduit for Christ. Paul goes on. and He says, I've got something else that I want to share with you. He said, every good work. What is he talking about with every good work? He's talking about our calling that each one of us has. Now, I want to pause here just a bit because I know that sometimes we can, we can get this confused. I know in my life that I'm called to be a pastor, to be a minister of the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. We are all have that same calling where we want to live salvation in the experience that we've had through Christ in our life. We all have that same calling. But we also have ways that God has asked us to walk that calling out. And some of you guys, as sure as you're sitting there, you're called to where you're supposed to be. You're called into the education system. You're called into the medical field. You're called in some way to serve the community, whether it be on a county basis or a town basis or a state basis. There's many different ways that you serve the Lord in your calling, and you don't back down from that. You go in there with a heart full of joy and saying, God, whatever you've called me to do, and you know that, you hang on to that and say, God, work your spirit, work your grace, work your mercy through this because there's people where we work at that are around us that need us that need us to be that tunnel because they've never felt grace. They've never felt the love of Jesus Christ. When I was a young man in, 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 um, in youth, I remember my youth pastor and my pastor looking at me and saying, Matt, you're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. You're the only Jesus that some people will ever meet. They go home to a life that's not conducive to what you know. They don't know the Bible, so they experience it through you. And I want the grace of God to flow through us and through me like that big tunnel. Father, let them fill your love. Let them fill your passion. Let them fill your calling. You have a purpose for them because, see, the calling is a blessing. That means we don't have to live a life that just meanders around and does nothing. But God's got a specific purpose for us. He's called us to be entrepreneurs. He's called us into foster parenting. He's called us into some sort of volunteering or social services, different ways of serving the community. He's called you here to teach different classes at the church, teach those Sunday school classes and those Wednesday night classes that encourage people. He's also called us and maybe into the education system or these other areas that we've already mentioned. And you hold on to that calling and say, God, I'm looking towards you to promote me. I don't want to promote myself by simple words and saying what I can and can't do, but God, I'm going to rely on your spirit and what you're going to do. Now, how do we know that he wants us to be established? See, it's it's established in every good work. See, that's the blessing. He doesn't want us just to go and be a part of whatever we're doing, but he wants us to be established where we're at. And he says two things, established in your work and established in your word. Now, many of us know that work is hard. Our hands get dirty. (laughs) Our brows get sweaty. Our feelings get hurt. (laughs) Several things that happen when we work. We get tired. But what is Paul saying? Listen, I want you to be established. Christ wants us to be established in that work. He wants us to be established and he wants us to be able to put our all into it. But that only comes through understanding that God, an essential for this whole thing is that you understand that I understand what you're trying to do. That I understand that you have a calling on my life. Because in those times where I felt like you've called me and I felt like backing out and not finishing, no, you've called me back to finish. You've called me back to say, no, you can do it. You're, you're, you're thinking right now, do I go to that next degree level? Do I go to that next training session? Do I go to that next thing that will help me and exalt my position, not above the Lord? But would, I would say, yes, go do it and let the Lord promote you. Let the Lord build that seed into your life because he doesn't want us just to go and be a part of where we're at, but he wants us to be established, established in our work promotions and raises and perks, our, our business growths, etc. We We know these type of things, but also that spiritual side where we need to grow in word. This is the thing many times what God is doing inside of us, he will do inside of us before he ever does on the outside of us. He, he's causing a change deep within us and he wants to do that on the outside, but we have to trust him. We have to say, God, it is a, it is a blessing to be in your calling, to be in the thing that you've put on my life. Help my help my hands and help my word. Now we know that Jesus Christ is the word of life. He's the bread of life. We know that it's Him inside of our hearts that we want to hide. But we also see the spiritual side of that work that He's called us to. How I handle myself, how I speak, maybe my my body language. God, what are you doing? Because I want to be a representative to God in so many different ways, and I don't want to be discouraging to other people. But God wants us to be established. What does the established look like in the spirit? Well, you are already in it and you don't know it. You're walking into your work right now. You're walking into that calling that God's given to you and people are looking to you for answers. You're like, wait a second, I don't have a promotion. I'm not anybody spiritual. Yes, you do. You just got a spiritual promotion and you didn't even know about it. People are looking at you with integrity, with respect, and with honor because we've carried ourselves because God wants us to be established. Because we're looking at him and saying, God, my calling is a blessing. It is an essential of what you're trying to do in this thing that I'm expecting in my life to be done. So what has God been speaking to you? What is he asking you to do? Because those are tangibles that we can't earn. It doesn't show up on a paycheck, but all of a sudden we walk in and people are asking us questions about our spiritual life. They're asking us questions about integrity and honor and respect and all of a sudden they're going to us and we're saying, God, what are you trying to do? Well, he's trying to establish us in word. He's trying to take that and say, listen, I've called you for a blessing. I've called you for a point to. I want to establish you and go. And we know the importance of legacy. All of us know that. We know that God wants to put a legacy in our life and the hard thing about legacy is legacy shows up whenever you're usually dead and gone. Oh, sometimes you can see it. You can see what God's about to start doing, or maybe he's doing some things. But many of that legacy happens after our eyes are shut for the last time and we open them in eternity. And it's those things that God has planted in our heart and planted in our life. And we say, God, what are you trying to do? Which way are you trying to go? But we have to be open and willing to that blessing called calling. Paul continues in that same scripture. Okay, and that same scripture, and he reminds us, through it not continues, but throughout that whole scripture, that it's through his blessing, that it's through Jesus Christ. And as we go into this next week, as we have finished this week of prayer and fasting, and and God has allowed us to plant seeds and do things in our life, I'm asking you to continue to believe in that. Let's have that same expectation as Paul wrote to his friends, may God bless you. God, what are you trying to do? God, I want to have that heart that you may do whatever you're going to do expectation's a wonderful thing. As I was talking to a young lady and her husband this last week, they came in for a little bit of marital counseling, didn't really have a church in town, and we sat down with them. And I sat down and I said, hey, I just want to let you know how much Jesus loves you and Christ loves you, and we're here to help you in any way we can. Well, through a series of things, they decided that they wanted a little bit more prayer, uh, marital, marital counseling and some other things. So I took them for a tour of our church, and I brought them up to the front, and I said, hey, this is how we can do this, and this is what we can do for you. We, we don't want to just see you get married. That's not what we're here for. We're here to strengthen you and help you. We have an expectation here that your marriage is going to last the next hundred years and we want to do what we can. And that beautiful young lady was standing at the altar and I looked at her after I shouldered the church and talked to her about some, some materials we can give her to get them more prepared. And, and of course, the young man was elated about it too. And I looked at her and I said, did we pass your expectation? And this is what she said. She looked at me and she said, matt you passed my expectation my expectation was a signature and a living room wedding and i think what a powerful thing that we got to be a part of it wasn't just coming in here and signing a piece of paper and saying you guys are married but what we want to do is we want to build you up we want to strengthen you we want you to know that this is a place where you can come even after you get married and experience more of the things that god wants in your life And that's how we get to do as ambassadors of Christ. And that's what Paul was saying here. Pass people's expectations. Let's not limit ourselves. Let's put it all out on the table and have that I desire. God, may you bless me. Yes, you may. What are you birthing in my heart? But in those moments, we feel like we're not worthy and we can't do it. Remember, People, we are the vehicle that God has chosen to, to, express those, to express those expectations through. And that's very humbling, but at the very same time, it is very exciting. Amen. And I know that God has got a call on that for all of us. But I have to tell you, one of the first steps in doing that is a step of salvation. I want, I want to give us a minute to think about that, whether you're listening by device or you're in the congregation right now. God has a plan and a purpose for everybody's life. But the first step in that is salvation. God, you fulfilled everything that you said that you were going to fulfill. You're the son of the living God. You, you came, you gave your life, you shed your blood so that I could receive salvation and that we could receive salvation. And if you're here or you're listening, have you contemplated that moment? Have you said, God, have I fully received you as my Lord and Savior so I could push everything out of way and be in a place that you could use me so I could be connected to that source, to the God as my source, so that I could allow the Holy Spirit to work through my line and bring things in remembrance and convict me and open my heart up to the spiritual gifts and the spiritual fruits that the Scripture plainly lays out for us. But that's the first step because we're embracing a loving God who cares about us, who works through people and His purpose as people the expectations that he has, the material things that he uses, all that stuff will burn and fade away, amen. But people's soul will last forever in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And Christ has made a way for us to be in heaven with him. Would you bow with me? Father, as we bow in our living rooms, as we bow in the congregation, as we bow wherever we're sitting and listening, God, I pray for whoever's listening, God, right now, that if they have not made you their Lord and Savior. Think, Father, they would ask themselves that question. Hey, why haven't I done it, and I want to do it. And as they sit there in their seats, they pray that prayer of repentance. Because Holy Spirit, you're the great comforter. You're the one that's leading us to that conviction, to that change in our life. And as hearts are bowed to you, Father, and you're working on them, we pray that they would be responsive. Responsive to what you want to do, not only at the point of salvation, but your plan and your calling and your purpose for them. And if you're sitting there listening and you say, I haven't invited Christ into my heart, to say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart and change my life. I, I really want to make you Lord and Savior. I want my life to change from what it is now. I want to learn your ways. I want to talk and visit with you. I want you to speak into my life. And that's the beginning steps of salvation. That's the beginning expectation that God's going to do something good in your life. And here at Ray of Hope, we don't want to just say that you need salvation. We want to teach you about your walk with God. Email us. Call us today after service. Come up and talk to me and say, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. What's next? Because we want to teach you about it. We want to teach you about all the wonderful things that God has for you. Congregation, would you please stand up with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.